The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate Leeds, postcode LS53AP. Check out PR Supplies on Facebook for all your home retail needs. Hello, welcome back to this week's instalment of the Inside Elland Road podcast. Although being physically inside, Elland Road probably wouldn't have done us much good this week, considering face-to-face interviews with Leeds' managerial candidates supposedly took place in London. Uh, the search for Leeds United's new head coach continues. Brendan Rodgers is out of the race, although was never considered a material candidate, while the manager they wanted in February, Andoni Iraola, will be in the hot seat at Bournemouth next season. That leaves the likes of Daniel Farker, Patrick Vieira, and the street frontman Mike Sc- I mean Scott Parker still in the frame. Um, we were discussing, Graham, just before we uh, started recording, that you'd been having some interesting Leeds United-themed dreams. Is that sort of the, the only exciting thing that's happened to you this week? Anxiety dreams uh, involving Leeds United are fairly commonplace, and I would suggest that's probably true for anybody who has to cover this club. Uh, I had a dream last night that I went to Elland Road for a casino night and bumped into Angus Kinnear, who let slip that he felt it was very interesting and uh, to Leeds' credit that they had employed the first Premier League manager of Thai heritage. Um, and then the race was on to try and get that information out and find out who he was. And I was WhatsApping you, and, and we managed to find this guy who'd played football for Norway um, but had a Thai father. But the problem was I couldn't write the story because I didn't have my laptop. I couldn't write it on my phone, which kept going on and off. And there was like a touchscreen TV type thing. For those of you who remember the pub machines, um, the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire ones, when they used to get a bit old or worn and you had to really thump the screen to try and get it to register what you wanted to to choose. It was exactly like that, and I was trying to type like that, but it kept choosing the wrong letter or not registering the letter, and it was an absolute nightmare. And then I woke up, and Leeds still haven't appointed anyone, uh, let alone the first manager of, of Thai heritage in Premier League history. So um, so we're still in the process. Yeah, still very much in the process, um, but sort of approaching the end game now, as far as, as, far as we understand it. Um, Leeds do appear to be getting closer to, to making a managerial appointment. This week was um, the, the face-to-face interviews that took place with, with the, the, the several candidates that have been considered um, by the, the hiring committee, which is obviously headed up by the, the incoming chairman, Parag Marathi, and, uh, and Angus Kinnear, who is sort of the, the bridging executive remaining as the, the, the chief exec uh, at Leeds um, following the, the takeover or during the takeover process. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll begin with that. I know fixtures were released today, um, but we'll begin with the manager hunt because that is the most pressing issue. Um, what is the latest besides casino nights that you've been, uh, you've been hearing, Graham? So there are still, you could probably use the word several in the frame. We haven't been able to bottom out exactly how many they've interviewed, but I know that they were interviewing yesterday. I know that they still had one today uh, and there was a possibility... Uh, of another one or two. So they're not at the end of the interview process, but they are hopeful that by the weekend, by the end of the weekend, certainly, that they will have something in place. Um, 
Prague is is due to fly back, I think, um, at some point this weekend or, or Monday. And really, they want to have it done and dusted by the time he goes back. Um, what we're hearing is that it's been a very, very thorough process. And there's been a lot of data. The, 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 the key thought has been who is best place to get us out of the championship at the first attempt. Um, so you have to think that someone like Daniel Farker is in with a real opportunity because he's done it twice. He has a, a wealth of experience of getting out of this division. Um, I did a piece this week speaking to EFL managers and agents who have clients who've worked in the Premier League or the EFL to find out what goes into the, a process like this because th- there's two ways a club can do it. They can headhunt someone so a director of football might identify the man that he wants. So, for example, Marcelo Bielsa. And then it's all about presenting to that manager, that ma- manager presenting to you and finding out if you're on the same page. Um, Jesse Marsh would have been a, a similar scenario as well because he was essentially in the building as Marcelo was leaving the building. That was all done and dusted. This is the second approach. It feels like a lot more of an open process and it's one where people apply. You draw up a short list. You interview your shortlist, and then you come to a decision on who it is you want to uh, appoint. Um, and in a process like this, managers have to present. They probably did a little bit of that over Zoom last week. They'll have done a lot of that face-to-face this week. And it's all about trying to prove that you can do what it is you say you're going to do with Leeds. So you'll come with a plan for the squad. You'll talk about weaknesses and strengths. You'll talk about recruitment. You'll talk about your playing style, how it fits with the players. And then you've also got to show, this is what I've done in my career. This is what I did at X club or Y club. This is how I changed X player and got this out of him. Um, I imagine they'll go into a wealth of detail. Um, We know that the 49ers enterprises have um, big data people in there um, businessmen whose careers have been based around data and AI. So, you know, I, I would imagine that data has played quite a big part in this. But as a, an EFL, current working EFL manager said to me this week, he's a big believer in data, but data is only there to inform. Somebody still has to make the subjective decision at the end of it. And Leeds are going to have to decide quite quickly who of these managers is the right one. Um, and who's the most complete candidate. So that's where we are. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's it's positive that it's moving in the right direction. It's negative that someone hasn't been appointed yet, I think is probably the the, the lay of the land. Um, I, I know so, some people are, g- are getting frustrated or maybe a little bit uh, a little bit of itchy feet because, you know, they, they, they want this appointment. They can see that the pre-season um, is, is fast approaching. They can see that the season is fast approaching. Um, and I suppose in that vein, then you know it's it's probably quite quite pertinent that we look at the the fixtures next. Um, and and you're looking at the the first five or six. Uh, you're looking at your your big your big derby games, the the, the days you'll play those, uh, and then you're looking at the running sort of as your first ports of call when the fixtures are released, uh, as they were at nine a.m. this morning. Um, I'll just go through those. The uh, the first game of the season will be at home against Cardiff City on uh, Sunday, August the 6th. That's a 2.30 kickoff. It's currently scheduled for. Uh, followed by Birmingham City away, uh, West Bromwich Albion at home, Ipswich Town away, uh, then Sheffield Wednesday at home, and then Millwall 
away um, just after the September international break. So that's the first six that Leeds will have. Uh, sandwiched between that Cardiff game as, as the opener and um, Birmingham away uh, will be the first round of the Carabao Cup, which Leeds will will enter at the, the, the first stage this year because of how many English teams are competing in Europe. Um, and I mean, yeah, the, the run-in is, is looking a little bit more difficult. I mean, the, you, you'd like to think that Leeds will get off to a, to a relatively fast start there, given the calibre of opponents that are, that are in that first six. Um, you know, newly promoted Sheffield Wednesday, who are themselves without a manager after Darren Moore left. Cardiff City, who, you know, appear to be, you know, never too far away from a crisis themselves. Uh, Birmingham, who, you know, they've they've recently undergone a takeover, but again, haven't been one of the leading sides in the championship these past few years. Um, and then you compare it to the the last couple of games, and you've got uh, Coventry, who are obviously the the playoff finalists on the sixth of April. Then you've got Sunderland um, on three days later, Blackburn at home, Middlesbrough away. QPR away and then finish with Southampton at Ellen Road. So the the first six and the last six, um, very, very contrasting fixtures. What, what's been your reading of the um, the fixture list that was released today, Graham? Well, it's not, it's not what I was looking for, really. Um, what I had in my head was at home to Manchester United on the opening day, away to Sheffield United on Boxing Day. Um, th- those were the two fixtures I, I really wanted to see. Uh, and for some reason, the EFL hasn't managed to deliver them. Um, look, it is it is what it is. You have to play all of these teams twice. And I can't believe you've managed to get that in within ten minutes of the podcast. <laughs> I knew I, I, that was especially for you. Uh, a good start is really really important, and this is why I think in this managerial recruitment process, championship experience needs to be given heavy weighting i think it needs to form a huge part of the decision and it's probably why i personally wouldn't be that tempted to go down the line of a patrick vieira who if we're brutally honest he's you know what's he really trading on you know he's got his name he's got his his pedigree as a player and a professional he's got what seemed to be a fairly decent job at Crystal Palace before things then went awry. And, you know, Tony Dorigo put him in the same boat as Steven Gerrard. And I think I'd have to agree that they are both managers who desperately need to prove themselves in their next appointment. You know, their next job is absolutely key. If either one of those hypothetically were to take this job, you'd be getting a big character, you know, it'd be getting a figurehead, um, with a little bit of experience, but you wouldn't be getting somebody who knows the championship and knows how to get a team promoted. And I just think with the start leads have been handed, there's an opportunity there. If somebody knows this division inside out and they know what it takes and they know the rhythm that you need to get into for the the brutal fixture list and how to keep a team fresh in order to win, I don't know, 60% of your games, I think that's the kind of manager you need, and I think if you're not looking too, if you're not looking extremely long term for this appointment, if you're looking at this appointment as this is the man who gets us into the Premier League and then we take stock, then I don't think you go for a Vieira. I really don't. 
and and maybe I'm doing him a disservice. Maybe I didn't see enough of his Palace side, but the fact that Roy Hodgson was able to go in there and make things look so simple doesn't bode especially well for Vieira. You know, there were problems that he was encountering that Hodgson just didn't seem to encounter. From a Leeds point of view, you can think back to that game that he took away from Jesse Marsh. Maybe says more about Jesse Marsh than it does about Patrick Vieira. You know, the fact that Leeds had no response to to when Palace went direct. And with the players that he had as well at Palace, there was an opportunity there, I think, to to have a very comfortable mid-table finish. So... I, I'm don't I don't put a huge amount of stock in these suggestions that he's the front runner. Uh, I think it's still very much an open race. Uh, from what we're hearing, that's that's the case anyway. The deliberations are ongoing, but the process is ongoing as well. And it's it's not like they've whittled it down to one or, or to two that they're you know just making a final decision on. I think there's still a few that they're considering. Yeah, but the noises coming out of that sort of hiring committee is that they're they're pleased with the the level of candidates. Um, that they've that they've spoken to, um, which is interesting because you know, depending on whether they they do get their preferred candidate um, remains to be seen. Because you know there might be there might be individuals in that that list that short list who um, are less or more attainable than others. Um, and yes, while they may meet with them, um, while they may interview them, there there could feasibly be a, an offer which comes up elsewhere which is a little bit more lucrative than leads in the championship um or stands to benefit their career more so um that's another reason to sort of i don't know treat the the managerial situation with a little bit of urgency um but i think I, again i don't want to say we can safely say we can say with some probability that before pre-season begins at the beginning of july that leads should have a manager right if they don't have a manager for the 2nd of July, then something has gone terribly wrong. And Leeds fans will be the first to tell you that things can go terribly wrong. <laughs> but if we're at a point where the those in charge of this process are pleased and impressed with what they've heard from managers this week, managers plural then Leeds should have a manager in by the 2nd of July. They should have a manager in by Monday because even if, for some unknown reason, the one that you think, yeah, this is the guy, for some reason turns it down, um, if you've been impressed by more than one candidate this week, you have options available to you. The disaster scenario really would be Leeds coming to the end of this week and and not being convinced that one of these could be their manager, you know, coming out of the interviews and thinking, actually, we're not sure about him. We're not sure about him either. Uh, You know, what what are we going to do here? And it pushing on towards that 2nd of July without a feeling that, you know, we know that we can get one of these two or three or four managers. Um, So, yeah, that's where it is. And with the fixtures out, I think it just focuses minds, certainly in the fan base, a lot more on the fact that this needs to happen sooner rather than later. Because what you don't want to do is restrict the amount of time that your manager has to prepare for that first yeah. day or two. I know that Nick Hammond's in and and he's kind of working on the ins and the outs. Tyler Roberts is gone. You maybe would have hoped that there'd been a little more activity by now. Um, maybe they have a, a series of potential ins that, they've been working on and that are lined up and that they're ready to action once they get the manager in. 
maybe it's been discussed in interview, you know, with, well, it definitely will have been discussed in interview. Who is it that you would like in terms of targets to, to augment the squad and a clever manager will have done his homework on the market, on the players that are available and have a really good plan that Leeds can look at and think, actually, yeah, that, if, at least if it doesn't marry up exactly with what Nick Hammond's saying, it chimes with the themes that he's been talking about, you know, the areas, you know, the, the style of left back you want to go and get or the, the identity of a centre mid you want to go and get. Um, how much you're placing your hope in keeping Nyonto, Adams, Vober and the like um, and, and how much your plan is, is fully formed and realistic. Uh, it would be absolutely fascinating, wouldn't it, to to gain some sort of documentary access to this process this week and the interviews and what managers are kind of promising and, and how realistic it is. And um, an agent said to me this week, there's nothing in the process that's out, that's there to get you. You know, it's, it's not there to trip you up. You know, they're not asking questions that um, that might stump you, like in, like in a, an interview for another job. I can think of questions that I've faced that I've answered really poorly. Um, and then kind of you, you leap. Um, can I? Can how about I how about this in? job? What was what was one of the questions that was uh, that was asked of you in this this job or this um, interview? What were the questions? Uh, was one of them? Are you willing to shave your head? <laughs> See if people notice the difference between you and Phil. It, it was how how prepared are you for the hair loss that will follow immediately after taking <laughs> the uh, the position? Um, one of the questions was, uh, how are you going to follow in the footsteps of such a, a popular, almost iconic uh, rider in Phil Hay? And, he's he's, and he's said, not listening. You don't. He might be, but you don't have to. You don't have to. Somebody will tell him. him somebody will tell him. If I if I slag him off, someone will tell him, and then we'll have a Twitter <laughs> beef. And there's no way I can get into that. Uh, he's from Scotland, uh, and I think my answer was along the lines of, "Well, I can't be Phil Hay, so there's no point in trying. And and if even if I did try, people would see through it straight away. So I've got to try and create a different voice or show people that there's space for another voice covering Leeds United. I think I also gave some waffle about how um i'd like to make sure that kind of any followers that i accrue would be tied you know very much to the company and, and not just a kind of a personal fiefdom um uh and because people like to hear, people people like to hear stuff like that yeah you know it's it's a it's an action point isn't it to, to be worked on um but but at that yeah, stage uh, i had absolutely no idea that that within 24 hours of being appointed that my Twitter following would go from 3000 to 24,000. Um, and this is a point that almost relates to the managers as well, that they need to be the kind of character that realizes when you become Leeds United manager, the expectation, the demand, the involvement from the fan base is absolutely enormous. Like the, 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 the eyeballs on everything they do and the ears listening out for every single word they say and then you know the reaction to what they say i'm not so sure jesse marsh was ready for it because uh, it felt to me like he was massively taken aback by the reaction to some of the stuff he came out with the fact that people did pick up on stuff that he maybe considered a throwaway comment um the amount of backlash there was to everything he said about bielsa that was some of which was really ill-advised it didn't feel to me like he was aware of just what it means to be involved with a club with a fan base like Leeds United. And if you go into your interview and you prove to uh, Angus and Prague that 
you're well aware this is a big club with huge expectation, then I think it would stand you in, in good stead because you, you can't just treat it with a blasé attitude. It is incredibly full on, um, as you know, Jesse Marsh found out very, very quickly. You were talking a little bit earlier about what it would be like as a disaster um, if Leeds didn't appoint managers and whatnot. But in terms of looking at the fixtures again, a disaster is um, consecutive away games in the, the bleak midwinter, at least in my my book anyway. Swansea away on a Wednesday night, I think it is. Might be a Tuesday night, uh, the 13th of February. Um, actually, the, the day before Valentine's Day. So if, uh, if anyone is listening to this and thinking, yeah, really fancy Swansea away, um, then your significant other might not be too happy with that. Uh, followed by, very swiftly, four days later, uh, Plymouth Argyle away, home park, ironically named home park, uh, on the 17th of February. Um, Graeme, what are some of the fixtures that you are least looking forward to? Because, you know, we, we always talk about, oh, we, we you know, we, we like looking for those those games or when we play in at Hillsborough, when we play in, you know, when we play in Hull, um, when we play in Millwall, um, you know, historically those teams that, that Leeds have maybe had had a few tiffs with. Um what are the what are the games you're least looking forward to going to? Uh, right, let me bring up the fixture list so I can. Uh... That's why I gave you such like a wordy a wordy little introduction there, so that you could bring it up. But you know, some some of us don't prepare to the extent of others. But so uh, games that I'm not really looking forward to. Um... Should I tell you mine as well? Because I've kind of got them nailed down. Yeah. Okay. While, you go for you yours. Have a look. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am not looking forward to uh, Sunderland away on the 12th of December. That's again a midweek one. Just midweek away is like, oh. Yeah, midweek away is a nasty. Stoke away, again, that's midweek. Um, and also you have to go to Stoke. Sorry to anybody who lives in sort of the, that general area who might listen to this podcast, <laughs> but I've been there and I'd, I'd probably choose not to go there again. You uh, might go if, to Alton Towers on the way down though. There's no way we're going to go to Alton Towers. Well, let's make that an action point. Write that down. Right. Okay. Sort out sort out expenses for Alton Towers trip. <laughs> you think the company's gonna expense Alton Towers for us? Do no, think... but if we get in touch with Alton Towers and tell them that we're going to do a an, a special episode of the Inside Ellen Road <laughs> podcast from Alton Towers on the day of uh, the Stoke Leeds game. On the Maybe front let of the, uh, on the front of the carriage of I don't know, one of the, the, the high speed roller coasters. Nemesis. Is that where I that been, is? I haven't been since I was like fifteen, but that is where Nemesis was and what was the other one? One beginning with O, and it goes up and then Oblivion. goes up really slowly. Oblivion goes up really yes. slowly and then drops yes. straight back down. Yeah, um, um, yeah. I don't think I've been since I was a, a little nipper. As long as, as, well. as Leeds United are not facing Oblivion on the day they travel to Stoke, we'll be all right, Joe. <laughs> their nemesis. They go to visit their nemesis. Stoke. <laughs> oh no! I don't know um, any of the names of the other rides. Um, Preston North End on Boxing Day. Yeah, that's one. It's not. It's not great, is it? It's not um, festive, is it? It's not very festive. I, I mean, remember. Preston... Tell you what, the the away end will be will be in great spirits though, because you you do tend to get a, a full um, a full allocation there, don't you? The full stand at Deepdale. So yeah, you know, and I remember the last time they went, and uh, Eddie and Kedia popped up with a towering header that looped up over the keeper. I think it was an equalizer. I don't think it was a winner. But I'll be corrected Bamford on that. scored a couple there the previous season, though, didn't he? Mm. That was a night um, game. 
West Brom on the 29th again that in that kind of Christmas limbo that's oh the Hawthorns the highest yeah. the highest stadium in English football any chance that'll get snowed off uh that's not the highest stadium in English football Joe you've fallen into a very very um populated trap there Buxton uh oh in come on the highest is the highest stadium brand. in English football you're talking about uh, in the football league I believe um which division do Buxton play in? Haven't seen him in Way of the Dragon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Buxton. Last I looked, we're in the, the Conference North, um, trying to get into the Conference. Doing very well as well. Uh, what else? Cardiff away games? in January. I feel like we're ju we're just condemned to face Cardiff I think, in January. I think what we're doing is just forever. I think what we're doing is, is just listing every single away game as games that we re don't really want to go to. All the when far I, when ones. I, when I thought about the fixture list, I did think to myself, it'd be really great to get Swansea and Plymouth out of the way in the space of four days in February. So I've got exactly what I wanted there. Um, oh, and God. after that, um, I'm, I'm pleased that Middlesbrough takes place in uh, April because that means it'll only be a, a, a big coat and hat and scarf job. It won't be at thermals, um, face mask, you know, balaclava, the lot. Uh, as it would be in March or any other month of the year. Very, very cold place. Um, and apart from that, you know, the fixture list is just great, really great. I'll tell you what would be a good away, um, not not in terms of the same size of away following, but QPR on the penultimate weekend of the season, if Leeds are, are going for something, um, then that, that could prove to be, you know, maybe in the, the early spring sunshine, um, Similar to to previous trips to to London. Well, I was going to say previous trips to London where they've won. The only one I can think of is Brentford, and that was fraught with anxiety. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would be lovely, wouldn't it, if it was just a procession? Those last couple of games, Borough away, QPR at home, uh, um, QPR away, and then Southampton at home. I can't see it happening, yes. but it'd be nice. Yeah, if maybe it was. if those maybe if those last six games were all a procession. Um, that would be. Uh, well, didn't you retweet something fantastic. this morning, which was forty-six wins, easy? Uh, I retweeted. Uh, yeah, somebody saying forty-six wins, uh, no problem. Forty-six wins ought to do it. I think was the, uh, the yeah. exact wording. Um, there were lots of lots of reactions of varying degrees of um, uh, excitement from supporters, varying from "Hello, darkness, my old friend." Uh, <laughs> to um, the kind of more more nausea inducing uh, physical responses, but uh, but this is where Leeds find themselves. You know they're a championship club now, and so when you're a championship club, you have to play in the championship. You have to play 46 times at least to get out of it. Uh, and I think what we really want to stress is that Southampton on the final day has to be the final day of Leeds United season with them going up because should the season be extended, um, then the anxiety dreams will be extreme. Feverish. Feverish, yeah. There'll be a fever accompanying it. Um I would I would quite like it to become a regular feature throughout this season though, if you are that way inclined to to share with us your your dreams um that that do include Leeds United or myself. Um, provided they're appropriate, um, <laughs> I do not like the I do not like the implication there. Uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I will make it 
I'll, I'll make a note. I'll maybe have a notepad beside the bed, um, so that when I wake up, I can I can scribble down in shorthand notes any uh, any leads related dreams that I have. Um, the real yeah, dream move, is just. Should we the, move on from the fixtures then, or, or do you have anything more to say on that? I was just going to say that the real dream is that um, this is it is a formality. You know that that by Leeds, by the time Leeds get to the, the last few fixtures, they are in um, Adam Forshaw romping it territory, where um, where they're just in an absolute flow state and and winning lots and lots of games like they did in the last championship season. I've been thinking a lot about the last championship season and how crazy that season was, but ultimately how comfortable Leeds were at the end of it. It didn't feel like it, you know, but but they were really when, mm. when the final table was calculated. Something like that, maybe not with a pandemic involved, would be ideal. So at the moment, it is uh, the internationals which are taking place uh, during June. Um, we've had a few of Leeds players in action um, at senior level and a couple um, at the Under-21 European Championships, which are ongoing at the moment. Uh, Crescencio Somerville was playing last night in a nil-nil draw for the Netherlands, 21s against Belgium. Uh, and I believe this evening we'll probably see Ilan Melier, Willy Nyonto, um, could potentially see Leo Yelda and Christopher Klassen as well in, in uh, the Norway team against Switzerland. Uh, France and Italy playing each other, actually. Um, and Charlie Cresswell potentially playing for, for England's 21s. Uh, at that tournament, uh, also taking place this evening, the, the 22nd. Um, my favourite part of the international break, I say international break, the international prolongation of the season uh, so far has been, in fact, actually, I'm going to ask, I'm going to frame it as a question. Graham, do you know what the best thing about Kazakhstan scoring an 89th minute winner away to Northern Ireland is? The answer to that question is there is no best thing about Kazakhstan scoring an 89th minute winner against Northern Ireland, but I'll indulge you. It's uh, it's knowing that you were uh, you were playing five or six aside at the time that the goal was scored, so that you will have checked your phone hoping for a, a goal, and you'll have seen that they actually conceded. Yeah, the thing about that is that when I actually finished playing football on Monday night and picked up my phone, the first thing I did was to Google should I go to A and E if I can't clench my teeth, uh, at, <laughs> and my jaw hurts because I blocked a shot. There's going to be a lot of teeth clenching this season with uh, watching Leeds, I'll tell you that. I blocked a shot with my face, um, you know, anything for the cause. Sadly, it was a shot from one of my teammates at the at the attacking end of the pitch, but it did it did prove to be an assist because the ball dropped off my mush uh, and, and somebody stuck it home. Uh, according to the dentist, it's unlikely that I fractured my jaw. Um, but I, I've been advised to have a soft diet. I feel like I'm about 75 years of age. <laughs> a soft diet for a week or two, and to control my yawns, so not to you know give it the full open-mouthed, uh, you know Barney from The Simpsons yawn, but like a just a very restrained, um, yeah, very restrained yawn. So um, so that was what I was doing on Monday night. So I I didn't actually check the score until later, um, and before I'd seen the score. I had a series of WhatsApps from a, a Northern Irish um, compatriot w- with messages I cannot repeat about the Northern Ireland performance. So I kind of knew, uh, I knew already without checking the score what had happened. I just can't, I can't get over it how historically Northern Ireland will produce 
heroics now and again against the great nations. And then we'll play like Liechtenstein at home and draw or, you know, lose to Kazakhstan at home. And it just really irks me massively that this is, seems to be our fate and our reality forever. It feels like a long, long time since Stuart Dallas was celebrating that goal uh, Gareth McCauley scored against Ukraine in the Euros when we when we qualified for the, the knockout stages. It feels like a very long time ago. I'm just going back to whether your face is broken or not. Um, can you can you imagine the number of people who've read your ratings over the past couple of years and fantasized about being the person who was at the other end of that shot? <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to say the number of people who've thought to themselves, "I would love to spin his jaw" as they read, you know, <laughs> not Tyler not Adams. Tyler Adams six. Um, I like that time I gave him a six when everyone else rated him as like eight point seven five. Yeah. Um, as ever, I would say with the ratings, you know, you you do it, you try it. But also, while you're doing it, write a thousand word match report and live tweet, uh, and also try and take on board the witticisms and observations of your colleague next to you, your hipster colleague next to you, who's pointing out, you know, fullbacks and and areas where the game is being lost or won tactically. You, you try all that, and then come up with some really on the spot, coherent ratings that make everybody happy. I'm sure Lee will be delighted that you've you've na- mentioned him on the podcast without <laughs> without naming him. Um, no, I mean, yeah, the ratings this year we're going to have several more games um, to do those ratings for uh, eight in total, possibly possibly nine if they go through the playoffs, um, and definitely one more. Well, actually, maybe not definitely one more, but it, it's odds on that it would be one more in terms of the uh, the cup games, given that Leeds are entering in. Um, the first round of the Carabao Cup, um, and if the the Championship fixture list was was nauseating to see some teams that uh, you thought had, had been left behind, um, then don't look at the the northern section draw for the uh, Carabao Cup first round because it is ah oh, it's it's brutal. I, I found myself wanting Wrexham. I really yeah. Did I I had exact I had exactly the same thought. I thought a trip to Wrexham uh, or even Wrexham coming to Elland Road. Would be great because of the 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 narrative and the, the McElhenney and to a lesser degree his 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 fellow owner story. Um, yeah, I had a look at it and thought it's not great. It's not massively attractive. Uh, so what you're, I think, what fans would look for is a ground that they haven't been to before, or they haven't been to in a long time, or they want a really winnable game at home. But I think the Cups this season will take on a very secondary nature. You know, Leeds last season, it was it was put to me by someone at Leeds last year that, that what Leeds fans would be happy with was like a 13th place finish and a cup run. And, and that would be a very successful season. You know, had they delivered a mid-table uh, finish, then I think everyone would have really enjoyed and, and probably expected a cup run because it, it felt possible at one stage, one very, very, very early stage last season. This season, people are not going to be bothered about the Cups, are they? You know, They might like a, a Premier League team at home in the FA Cup or, or in the League Cup, but if Leeds get knocked out early on 
and they can focus all their efforts on the the 46 on the grueler that is the 46 game program then i'm not sure anyone's going to quibble you know cups can be a thing for later uh and and you don't want anything detracting from your promotion bid because it's so hard. You have to win so many games. And Leeds will be everybody's cup final as well. You have to remember that. Yeah. Leeds, Leeds, this isn't Leeds that have been in the EFL for 16 years and are just part of the furniture. This is Leeds that have spent the last three years away. Um, and this are there Leeds to be sh- after, This is Leeds after what Angus Kinnear said about not messing around in the championship anymore. Yeah. And and also, you know, that that stuff um about not putting extra money in the hands of EFL clubs because it would be misspent, you know, things like that. So this is leads. This is the leads that people really want to shoot at. Um, and so everyone will be out to get leads. Uh, and, and you'll say that, well, everyone, everyone should be able to win every game. Yeah, they are. But you put that crowd in play. You put Ellen Road in play or the visiting crowd in play. And players will be absolutely amped from opposition teams to be playing Leeds and they'll be they'll be out to to make it a miserable season. They'll be out to ensure they do what Norwich did last season and just languish in mid table. Kind of peter away. Yeah. yeah. Um well that that's that's what we hope doesn't happen. Um I mean there's there's not really too much that's been too much else that's going on really, is it? I just want something to happen. The fixtures was kind of a manna from heaven that you know we'd have something interesting to write about, some I don't know some narrative, um, but that kind of you know falls by the wayside pretty quickly once everybody digests them. I think the thing we're all waiting on now is is just the manager. So fingers crossed that they um they get something sorted over the weekend. Because well, you, you I'm weren't... not sure we can I'm not sure we can do another one of these episodes um, contemplating the managerial decisions. We could do a, a an entire episode on Tyler Roberts. We could, uh, and yes, we should. Um, we could, but we won't. Um, we sh- we should discuss him. Obviously, he's the first bit of outgoing business from the senior team this summer, uh, joining Birmingham for somewhere between five hundred k and a million pounds, probably uh, nearer to the lower figure in that. Um, I reckon yeah, between. Games. Sorry, sorry, Graham, go on. I reckon between five hundred and fifty k and seven hundred fifty k. I reckon it would be. Okay. <laughs> 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 just narrowed that down yep yeah um right not sure where to go from there uh yeah he played 108 times for leeds um scored nine goals including a, a couple at hull um that that uh was it two weeks before everything was shut down for for the pandemic um and yeah i mean he's, he struggled a bit for 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 form but you know you can't really say he didn't really give his all. Um, he just maybe wasn't at the required standard that that Leeds would have hoped he would have been going into into the Premier League. There is absolutely a player in there with Tyler Roberts. He still has potential, and he's got ability. I remember seeing him play for Shrewsbury. I think it was at Chesterfield, and remarking. In fact, I think I dug out the tweet once about how good he was and how much of a handful he was. And players that were in that Shrewsbury team with him remember a a kid with frightening movement and really good technical ability. He's got a really nice knack for finishing off moves with like a a rolled side foot shot uh, into the corner of the net. You know, he tries to place it. Um, And also, he's got a nice turn 
he's quite good at when he gets the ball turning to yeah. progress it you know or, or keeping a defender away from it those are the upsides the downsides with tyler are equally obvious his injury record is absolutely awful and you have to feel for him on that front because his time at leeds five and a half years should have yielded a lot more performance or a lot more appearances than 108 but he could never really get himself fit and stay fit you know he always seemed to be picking up niggles he had the shin problems he had calf issues he had that time when he he ruptured his thigh uh against leicester and then tried to play on one leg you know just kind of hobbling around didn't want to come off um and then he had the problem last season that that took him out of the world cup for wales and pretty much derailed his qpr season and and just took it off track completely i think if he could somehow get himself through a season of playing 30 to 40 games without issue i think we'd start to see the real tyler roberts and i don't think he's premier league quality at this stage but i'm not sure he will reach premier league quality but i think he's probably a good option in the championship um a bit like patrick bamford though you couldn't really hang your hat on him being your out-and-out goal scorer to play every game simply because of the injury issues that they've had and the kind of propensity to break down. But I hope that he doesn't. I hope that he hope that he has a great season at Birmingham. Obviously, it's closer to where uh, he's from. He came from West Brom in the first place to Leeds. And as a, a quirk of footballing fate, it was Nick Hammond who reluctantly sold him to Leeds from West Brom after Tyler made it clear that he wanted to go. Um, this occasion feels a lot more to me like it's a mutual, you know, this is this is your time to go. Um, he's been away on one of those, we should talk about that actually, that these, these very fashionable football training holidays that players are going on, their own little personal uh, camps abroad. He was on one of those in Marbella, I think it was, and looks in good nick. He's been putting in a lot of work and hopefully it, it pays off for him this season. Um I tell you what I'd have a lot more time for if these footballer training camps, which I tell you what, if I click on one more professional footballer's Instagram story over the summer and it's them to a montage of, I don't know, some techno music doing, I don't know, high knees over some some hurdles or whatever, or just passing the ball backwards and forwards um, with a with a private coach. I, I don't know. I, I cannot be held accountable for my actions. Um, <laughs> what, 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 would, what would be... Um, better in my eyes if they didn't go to such luxurious locations on these camps you know if they went to somewhere like i don't know not a war zone because that's a bit you know it's a bit heavy but somewhere which is just you know you can't then finish the i don't know 10 15 minute recording that you have got that you've got to do um for the socials and then go and lounge around on a sun lounger or, or fraternize with with i don't know z-list celebrities in in marbella i'm not bitter at all the, the you, yeah, it's weird because it's it's really weird. I don't, maybe it's your microphone, but there is a bitterness coming across in your in your voice. Maybe it's my audio settings. Um, yeah, I I don't really like to see them having coffee with a with a super yacht kind of in the foreground. But um, maybe maybe some of them would like to go to like the the Bavarian mountains, or maybe like Estonia or Latvia. You know, like go and go and take in a bit of culture. Go and go and see somewhere. See the road less traveled by, um, you know, maybe East go, venture into Eastern, Eastern Europe uh, when you go and do these things. I get the temptation just to go to Mykonos or Dubai or Marbella. Um, I can fully understand that. But 
Yeah, it it has a certain look to it. And yet again, I don't think it's entirely the fault of the players. I think no, it's no, more no. the fa- more the fault of the PR agencies and how they yeah. desire to make them look. Um, there is a kind of there's a there's a generation of footballer that they will go and do their training. Like for example, Liam Cooper went out to Dubai. Uh, last World Cup and did a lot of training um, and his kind of social media from what I recall was simply him training like it was just him training and I think it was probably reposting clips from the training company who, that I think it's the same company that Archie Gray's out with now and it's a guy who used to work for Leeds United in some sort of fitness capacity he's obviously set up over there and probably doing very well for himself because the number of kind of footballing names that you'd recognize that have been out there to train with him um a lot of the rangers squad don't say that those are not names that you'd recognize i could just see it i could see (laughs) the idea forming in your little head um yeah so there's a kind of a generation of footballer that would just kind of go and get on with their thing and do their thing and they might post a picture or two but it wouldn't be you know this is me uh on a on a quad bike in the dunes um and then there's another you what, kind actually, of you've, you've just you've just made me remember charlie allen he was uh he was away in um a popular sure how would i say it? a popular lads holiday destination this summer based on his story and he was on a quad bike so actually actually that one was a bit when i clicked into that i was went you know what fair play charlie you know having a normal one i like it i respect it get the fish bowls you know that sort of thing <laughs> or, or don't have the fish bowls you know you know get the non the virgin pina colada yeah um, i think he's since uh embarked on a training camp but i think it yes. might be uk based it might even be northern ireland based which which if so he gets full marks for that so we, we will your forgive voice, your voice picking up there we will we will forgive we'll forgive the quad uh entirely oh no indeed, i'm giving him extra points for the quad oh so you're giving extra points for the quad see i would have deducted points for the quad although if you're from Carrick Fergus, the likelihood is you've you've not had the chance to go on the dunes on a quad before. I went on a quad once and managed to roll it and took all the skin off my elbow. So I'm not uh, I'm not a massive fan of them. Oh, shall shall we just what, what we didn't do with the Tyro discussion was was touch on his farewell that he sent. Um, I think this is worth reading actually because it is actually go really it. nice, Can and it's it also not. It's also <laughs> no. I'm not going to try uh, do a Midlands accent. Um, my missus is from the Midlands, so so you'd think that I'd be able to, but but I don't think I can. Dear all of Leeds United, the club that turned me from a boy to a man, the club I've had the highest highs and lowest lows. It's time to say goodbye and to let every single person involved with the club know how much love, respect, and appreciation I have for you. You've given me and my family some unforgettable memories, from arriving at 19 and learning what it is to be a professional at such a big club to the heartbreak of missing promotion then the bounce back to taking the club back to where it belongs and playing over 50 times in the Premier League with you. Scoring my first goals, it really has been a roller coaster, but one I'd never change. I wish nothing but love, health, success and happiness to all the fans, players and staff of this beautiful club. See you soon, Tyler. Um, well, we'll see him in the first week of the season, won't we? Um, <laughs> second week, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish him all the success, but not on the second week of the season. Yeah. A nice statement, though. And this is also a lad who won the the club's kind of PFA community champion of the year award twice, you know, two years running. And I know from speaking to people at the club that when he went on these school visits, he was, or the foundation visits or charity visits, whatever it was, he was genuinely 
interested in what it was that he was doing and the people that he was visiting and asking questions. And it wasn't just a turn up, pose for a picture and a video, tell LUTV that it's really important to do these things in the community and then go off home. Um, he actually properly put the time in and put the effort in. So um, fair play to him. Go and score 25 goals next season, none of which are against Leeds United. All of which are against Leeds United's promotion rivals. Right, that's about everything that we've had to cover from the world of Leeds United this week. Um, hope you've enjoyed listening to this week's instalment of the Inside Ellen Road podcast. Um, I've been Joe Donoghue and uh, I've been joined by the YEP's chief football writer, Graham Smith. And uh, hopefully next time we speak to you, we'll, uh, we'll have some manager news, definitive manager news to bring you. Um, but in the meantime, stay patient, stay safe. Bye for now. The Inside Allen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate in Leeds. PR Supplies, everything for the home.